Hallelujah. Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to Genesis chapter 39. We are in a series of sermons from the life and the principles of the life of Joseph. This is part two of a sermon entitled, The Lord Makes a Difference. The Lord Makes a Difference. And we're just going through the life of this man of faith and we're gleaning spiritual principles that we can apply to our lives. Things we can learn that God has saw fit to record in the Scripture. And we can learn from this and we can practice these things in our lives. So, if you would, Genesis 39, verse 2, we'll begin reading. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. God will bless places just because you're there walking with God. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Now, jumping down to verses 9 and 10, we remember um, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. And she would try again and again, but he resisted and he rejected. And in verse 9, he says, No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. I mean, he just kept refusing, kept walking upright. Now going to verse um, 19, to verse 19. Now, you know, one time she set things up where the servants weren't around and she tried to seduce him and he ran, um, but she kept his jacket. And when her master, her husband came back, she lied and said how Joseph had tried to um, rape her. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. Man, you just can't get away from that, can you? He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Wow. The Lord makes a difference. The Lord, Joseph was blessed and he was used of the Lord wherever life took him. Because of his willingness to trust God, and to honor God regardless of the road he was forced to take. And the key that we see, this characteristic, this common theme in Joseph's life, he was consistent in his conduct, godly in his character. He recognized that he belonged to God and he served God always. Like you and I who love the Lord, 
But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, we're no longer our own. We've been bought with a price. The blood of Jesus purchased us and now I belong to Jesus and you that are saved, you belong to Jesus. So wherever we go, whatever um, road life forces us to take, we're not our own. We belong to Him. We represent Him. And we're going to trust Him on the mountaintop and we're going to trust Him in the valley. Can you say amen? And that's the kind of thing God's looking for, that consistent character that says you live upright when things are good, you live upright when things are bad. And God says, that's the people I'm looking for, that I can bless them and I can use them. My name can be glorified through them. Now, last week we covered, number one, we covered Joseph blessed to be a blessing. Last week, Joseph blessed to be a blessing. Then we covered Joseph overcoming in time of temptation. Overcoming in time of temptation. Now, this week, this morning, we want to start. Number three, Joseph, the benefits of a God consciousness. The benefits of a God consciousness. Joseph recognized God was with him at all times. And it greatly affected his response to life. His response to life. I can't always control how life treats me. I can't control how I respond to it. Amen? And the more I can recognize the Lord's with me and the Lord's watching me, the Lord's grace is, is in my life, I can respond differently than those that don't know God. You see, there's um, the awareness of and the response to God's presence. As a child of God, we have to have a constant awareness God is with us. And we have to respond to life recognizing God is with us. When we seek God and we have a God consciousness or a God awareness, it gives us a very different perspective from those that don't know God or those that choose not to walk by faith. We are told five different times just in this little chapter that the Lord was with Joseph. Man, circumstances went up and down and all around, but the Lord was with Joseph. Everywhere he went, God was there. Joseph knew it, and it affected his faith. It affected his behavior. It affected how he thought, how he spoke, how he felt. Recognizing and responding to life with the awareness that God is with me and that God is for me. You know, one of the great, great joys of being a Christian is to know for certain that God is with us. Wherever we go, whatever circumstances you and I may be in, He's with us. He is there. That is a certain and unchangeable promise that we have from the Word of God. To the very ends of the earth, Jesus said. God is with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. If I can recognize that as I walk through life and therefore respond to my circumstances in light of that truth, I'll be responding different than most. The Lord will make a difference when you and I recognize He's with us in the good times and in the bad. And His grace is sufficient for each one of us to deal properly with every circumstance and every situation. As Paul said so well, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth within me. And He'll give me the wisdom, He'll give me the strength, and He'll give me the endurance to walk uprightly regardless of circumstance, regardless of situation. Joseph teaches us this. Joseph enjoyed the benefits of a God-consciousness. Again, the God consciousness and the benefits that flow from it, this is something that flows from faith, not feeling. 
If I go by my feelings, I might think God's a zillion miles away. He forgot my name. Can you say amen? Call the prayer line, give you a busy signal. You know what I mean? Just not boom, 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 boom. No, no, no. If I walk by my feelings in life, I'm going to be inconsistent, double-minded. But I walk by faith. There's a scriptural assurance. I know that I know because it is written and God cannot lie that He's with me and He's for me. And His grace will always be sufficient to me. This is not a wishful thinking. But this is not coming with a natural observation. But this comes with a knowing and a certainty from the Word of God. So, Joseph enjoyed the benefits of a God consciousness. And so should we. That's something God wants all of His people to enjoy the benefits of having the realization and really trusting and believing. My believing should affect my behaving. Can you say amen? If I believe, it affects how I behave. And if I really believe, He's with me. Well, it's easy to believe He's with me when I'm doing good, but now she lied about me and I'm getting falsely accused and thrown in prison. Well, God's still good and God's still with me. So things don't feel that great. Can you say amen? See, faith has to put away the feeling. Faith cannot be determined by what I see with natural observation. Faith stands upon, thus saith the Lord, what is written in that book. I have a written word without and I've got a Holy Spirit witness within and that affects everything and how you and I walk through this life. The blessings. This blessing that He enjoyed. And this is a blessing that all of us, God wants us to enjoy. Is when we choose to see God in every circumstance. Knowing He's there and knowing that we are in His care. That Jesus is with us. That Jesus is for us. And even the hard places of life cannot separate us from His love, cannot separate us from His power, will never separate us from His presence. It's this kind of God consciousness that enables you and I to have a peace in the midst of life's storms, because my peace comes from the God I serve and the Spirit that dwells within me, not the circumstance around me. This kind of God consciousness enables me to walk pure in a polluted world that's always trying to trip us up or lure us in the waywardness, but it keeps us pure and holy when all around we live in a fallen realm and a defiled world. This is something that gives us peace and purity and it gives us power to stand and withstand all the pressures of life as we see men and women giving up hope and we see people just crumbling under the weight and the despair. But you and I that know the Lord, we recognize we have a strength that the world knows nothing about. We have a certainty that all the philosophies of men cannot grant us. We have the truth of God's Word. We have the very present presence of God's Spirit. Therefore, we have strength to stand. We have the ability to endure. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I know. I serve the God that cannot lie. And He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. You might not always feel me. You might not even hear me. But thus saith the Lord, I'm with you and I'm for you and my grace will always be upon you. Can you say amen? Amen. Joseph had a God consciousness. Some would have thrown out their faith. 
Some would have given up their good confession and said, God left me. God's not real. God's no good. Look at what's happening. Joseph said, no, God's still here. I'm still going to live holy. God's still here. I'm still going to be faithful. God's still here. It might not look good now, but just hang on. Things aren't going to stay like this. God is working out His plan. He's unfolding His divine purpose. Even when men can't see it, we serve a God that says, I will finish the work I have began in you. And that promise comes from the lips of heaven above, not the reality that we think we see on the earth. The benefits in Joseph's life. A God consciousness gives you and I some benefits. It kept Joseph clean, knowing that God was there. He said, how can I do such a thing and sin against God? And having a God consciousness motivates me to godly living. Having a God consciousness recognizes and reminds me God is here. I'm going to be honest and I'm going to stay pure. God is here. I'm not going to listen to the lies and, and respond to the lurings of the enemy. Others might be cutting things short. Others might be um, um, watering down their convictions. But God is here. And that motivates me to live right and to stand firm and to be holy in all that I say and all that I do. And we see one of the great benefits Joseph had. The awareness that God was here. And it gave him strength to say no to sin, but yes unto righteousness. It gave him the daring to say no to the tempter, but yes to endurance. Um, trouble for being righteous and standing for what is right and pure. Joseph had a God consciousness and in his life it kept him clean and in his life it gave him a confidence. It gave him a calm. You can just imagine what many would have thought. Here you are doing the good thing. Things are going well and you take a stand for a holiness and you get lied about and thrown in prison. For many people, they would have thought their world had been crushed. They would have been starting to come unglued. But we read that when Joseph gets there, even there, God is with him. Even there, God is blessing him. But Joseph realized, men might lie about me, but the Lord has the final say over me. Men might try to knock down my faith, but the Lord is the rock in which I stand. My Men might try to do things to frustrate me and to bait me, but I'm not moved by what I hear from human lips. I'm moved by what I've heard from heaven above. And I hear a voice saying, go ahead, son. Keep leaning on the everlasting arms. Keep trusting on the Word that will never come back empty. Keep trusting and walking and leaning. The Bible says in Isaiah 6, let's look at that together. In the year that King Uzziah died, the prophet said, I also saw the Lord. There's a God consciousness here. That, that when people feel like things are coming unglued, they're still steady and strong. When we go through situations where others are saying it's all coming undone, we have an inner strength and an inner grace that keeps us firm. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord on His throne, high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temples. King Uzziah was a good king, a wonderful king. He had reigned over 50 some odd years. In those days when kings died, it was a time of uncertainty. It was a time where there could have been plots. Who's going to take over for the king? Will our enemies see us vulnerable? And will the attack? When kings of that stature died, there was a lot of uneasiness in the natural realm. There was a lot of unsettledness. There was people getting frustrated 
frightful and scared. But Isaiah was able to see in a time when earthly thrones are empty, when earthly kingdoms are uncertain and shaking, I lift up my eyes to the heavens and I see a throne that is never empty. I see a king that has never lost control. I see one that gives me strength when all around me is shaking like shifting sand. I look and I see the Lord and I am reminded the God I serve, He's still on His throne. He's still watching over my life. It might seem like things are going bad. It might seem like everything I see in the natural is a negative. But I look up my eyes to the hills and I see the help that cometh from my God. And I recognize this is a God consciousness. You might look at this and you might look at that. But the eye of faith looks up a little higher and sees Jesus ruling and reigning with great power and glory. And it gives us a strength. It gives us a peace. It gives us a rest in the midst of life's storms. Can you say amen? There's something that will bless our lives when we practice a God consciousness. When we practice walking by faith and not by sight. My believing should affect my behaving. And when I believe that He's with me, it's going to help me to stay clean in this polluted world. It's going to help me to stay calm in a very uncertain and unsettled season. It's going to help me to be courageous in the face of new challenges and new threatenings and new demands that come upon my life. Though Joseph finally, after he's in prison for a few years and he goes to his graduate school of his preparation, Finally, he goes before Pharaoh. And there he is before Pharaoh, who they recognize as almost a deity in that land. But Joseph could face this time, and he had a courage to face it. He had a confidence to face it. You might be facing a new season that has challenges where God and life is demanding more from you than you've ever been asked for before. I want you to know a God consciousness will see the Lord surrounding you and encouraging you and enabling you. Whatever you're facing, you do not face it alone. And the believer has that confidence. The believer has a courage because they know whatever I do in this life, I don't have to walk that path alone. I don't have to fight that giant alone. My God is faithful. My God is good. My God is loving. My God is kind. Second Kings 6, 15 and 17. Let me give you the story. The prophet Elisha, he was... um. I'm the most wanted poster of the king of Syria. Because he's getting a word from God and he's going to his king and saying, listen, look out for the troops that are heading down there. So, and it's kind of nice to have a prophet on your side. Amen? He knows where the enemy's coming. So finally, the, the, the king there, the enemy king says, man, we got to get this prophet. He's messing us up. Let's find out. Let's do some recon and find out where he's at. And then we'll take him out. Because man, we, we can't fight this kind of battle. And they found out the city was at, and at night, he brought all the soldiers in the chariots, and they surrounded the city. The servant gets up the first day, and he looks and says, my Lord, we're dead. You know, some people do that. They know the God of the ages to wake up in the morning and say, man, it's over. Why is it over? Because you're moving by what you see, not by what you know. Because you're responding to life by the natural perception, and not the spiritual reality. And this great prophet Elisha, he didn't ask God to do anything new. He just asked God to help the young man see. You see, just because it's invisible doesn't mean it's not a reality. Faith is able to see in the invisible realm. It could be invisible, doesn't mean it's not real. 
And often God is not so much needing to do something new in my life. He needs me to recognize what He's already done in my life. It's not so much God has to give me a fresh word. He just has to get me to believe the old word. Can you say amen? So again, they get up and the young servant, he sees it and he says, Oh, when the servant of the man of God got up and he went out early the next morning, there was an army of horses and chariots that surrounded the city. Oh, we're dead now. He oh, my Lord, what shall we do? He's ready to give up, man. He's ready to say, God done fell off his throne. Amen. God's not real. I'm going to suck my thumb. I'm not going to church no more because, I mean, we did good. And look, look, we're surrounded. What are we going to do now? Well, let's find out. Now, the prophet answers. Don't be afraid. But don't you see? Don't be afraid. The problem is you're not seeing enough. You've got to see with the eye of faith. You've got to see the reality of the invisible. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Now the young servant said, oh, the old man been in the heat too much. Amen. Yeah, now I know. It's enough of this fanaticism. Amen. he got to be in a real world. Don't you see what the real life is all about? You ever talk like that? We don't want to be too spiritual now. That's a problem the old prophet. He's just too much in the ivory tower. Don't you know the reality? Those who are with us. What's he talking about? Me and an old man. I know he's a prophet, but he's not the old boy. He can't throw that sling like he used to throw that sling. Amen. And we're surrounded. The prophet said, oh, son. Now notice that the prophet is not going to pray, God, send the armies. They're already there. He wasn't saying, God, give us a promise. He, they already had a lot of promises. He said, Lord, help this young man to see the spiritual realities. Help the young man to believe the promises you've already granted us. The very next verse. The prophet Elisha prayed, O oh, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. We pray that God will open up eyes this morning. Eyes of faith. That you might see the Lord ruling and reigning over your life. A God that you can cast your burdens to. A God you can place your complete confidence in. That regardless of what you face in the natural, regardless of what you feel in the emotional, you can know that you know this God I serve never leaves me and never forsakes me. And I might have to endure some things that are frightening in the natural realm. Above it all, there is a God that surrounds me. Above it all, there is a God whose eyes are always watching me. His eye is on the sparrow. Good God. Thank the Lord. He's watching over us. He's a God that watches every step and he's able to meet every need. And he says, oh Lord, open his eyes that he might see. He's not saying, Lord, do something new. He's just saying, help this young man to have a God consciousness and recognize the reality. Don't be moved by the emotion. Don't be moved by the natural circumstance. But be moved by that which is true and real in the spiritual realm. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and behold, he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Oh my goodness. See, all the natural man sees is the enemy. But the spiritual eye sees God's got all under control. 
It might look bad. It might smell bad. But God is still ruling and God is still reigning. When I have a God consciousness, my believing affects my behaving. I have a God consciousness that comes from the assurance of God's Word, the the clarity of God's promise, not by the wishful thinking of men, not by merely the careful natural observation of what I can perceive with this natural mind, but it's a knowing that I have if God before us, who can be against us? He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Therefore, I choose to trust. I choose to believe. I choose to walk with a God consciousness. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, this is something we learned from Joseph. This is something you have to ask yourself. Most people get bitter over something much minor than this. And all that he went through, he never gave in to that. And God is with him. And God blesses him. And he recognizes God is here. It keeps them clean. It keeps them confident. It keeps them courageous. It'll do the same with us. Let's move on. Now, Joseph, not only, number three, the benefits of a God consciousness, but how about Joseph developed, developed through responsibility and difficulty. This next principle we learn from the life of Joseph as we study the entirety of his life and how God takes him from a teenager with great dreams but still very weak in character development and so forth, all the way to the place of being prime minister. Joseph developed through responsibility and difficulty in the development of God's servant, in the forging of God's vessel. He takes us through different steps of responsibility and adversity. And as we respond properly, those things develop us, those things polish us, they prune us, they deepen us, they deal with us, and they prepare us for what God has prepared for us. Don't, don't, ever, don't ever reject the preparations of God. Joseph could have given up all along the way. He never would have saw the dream come to pass. Joseph could have gave up, cursed God and died, and just forget this. It wasn't worth it. And he would have been one of the people you run into Walmart, you haven't seen a church in 20 years, and when you ask him about it, they give you some sorry excuse about something negative happened. But not Joseph. He could have been one of them. If we want to, go, if we want to backslide, everyone has an excuse to backslide. Amen? Your family got problems? My family, got, we all got problems. Amen? Anyone ever experienced something that didn't seem consistent with being loved of God? Of course we all have, haven't we? But we all have to make a choice. I'm going to love Him in the good times. I'm going to love Him in the bad. I'm going to walk with Him. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to praise Him even when it hurts to praise Him. That's the difference. That's the one that fulfills the dream. That's the one that endures the process to become the one God's ordained them to be than those that are disqualified and give up and go otherwise. Now, present problems often prepare us for future positions. That is just a principle in the Word of God. And you can't find any of the scriptural um, heroes that didn't go through the process, the forging, the potter's wheel. And that's how God develops all of us. We have to know that. Because we get so inundated with some kind of lopsided teaching in the church where people don't recognize going through trials is the way God helps us become more like Jesus. And sometimes we think God's not with us. Who said that? Then he must not have been with Paul or Peter or Joshua or Moses. Man, they got a lot of problems. Amen? So we have to recognize that it's taking us through responsibility and adversity is how God polishes us and matures us and develops us to become the one He can really use and He wants us to be. Remember, problems can stop you temporarily. You're the only one who can do it permanently. I say that again, problems can stop you temporarily. 
You're the only one that can do it permanently. We have to choose to wake up, stand up, and never give up. To say, Lord, if i got to follow you through the tears, I'm going to keep following you, and I'm going to keep trusting you. Joseph's experience as an overseer in the house of Potiphar, and then later his Torah duty as the head of the prison, prepared him for his role of ruling the entire country. It was part of his training. He might not have liked God's curriculum. And if we're honest, a lot of times we don't like God's curriculum, do we? I don't. I would have, I would have chosen different. Amen? I mean, can I, can I just audit this class? You know what I mean? But, but God says, no, no, you don't get... God says, Joe, you don't get to choose the curriculum and you don't get to grade your own test. Isn't that right? I graded different. You know what I mean? I, I, big smile. Two smiles. Big, big smile. Star. We're learning from the life of Joseph. And if we want to grow in God, and I want to grow in God, and I want to become the one God's called me to be, I have to recognize, I learn it from Joseph, learn it from every other character in the Bible, that God uses difficulty and responsibility and adversity to forge His vessel. To mature me, to deepen me, to prune me, to polish me. If I avoid the uncomfortable times, I reject the purpose of God for my life. If I avoid anything that stretches me, anything, I can never ever get away from the eternal principle if I'm going to walk with God, Joe must decrease so Jesus might increase. That never ends. That didn't end when I was 20. Won't end now. Won't end some glad morning until I see Him face to face. Now in Joseph's life, we recognize this was part of the process of God. In our lives, God will bring us through things. And I have to choose to respond to them properly so they'll work the proper work within me. I don't want to waste the trying times of life. Dr. Wiersbe had a secretary that just went through the ringer back when he was at Moody, back in the 70s. And, and um, he said the pastoral thing to her. I mean, she must have lost a husband. A son was in a car wreck. And it was just a hard, maybe six months of her life. And he says, I try to console her. And I said the pastoral things like, well, I'm praying for you. And she looked at me one time and says, what are you praying? And he says, it caught me off guard. And I kind of stumbled for an answer. And she looked at him and said, listen, Pastor, Do me a favor, pray that I won't waste all this. Pray that I won't waste all... Don't waste your sufferings. They're too much to go through. Don't waste them. Grow from them. Let God work in them. Let them drive you closer to God than you've ever been. Let them bring you to a place of surrender that you've never been. God prepares us for what He is preparing for us. Experience is not what happens to a man. It's what a man does with that. That's the experience. Joseph is faithful. His faithful service to God was not only a blessing to the household, it was a blessing to Joseph. When we see God blessed him. God blessed him to be a blessing, but God also blessed him in his own person. God blesses us in what we produce. God blesses us in what we become. When I'm going to be a blessing, it's something I give to others, but it's also God doing something in me. And nothing 
can replace my response of faithfulness. If I want to pass God's test, if I want to get out of what God's curriculum intended me to get out of that trial, I have to stay faithful in it. I have to stay faithful in my devotion to Him, in my commitment to His Word. Nothing can replace faithfulness in our lives. When God develops us, when God forges us, He, resp- he gives me a problem, but He expects my faithfulness to Him throughout that problem. Nothing can replace the blessing it produces internally and externally. For instance, talent will not develop without faithfulness. Many people will die more potential in their pinky than many of us have in our entire life. But it came to nothing because they were never faithful to use it and to work it and to develop it. Faithfulness, character, will never mature without faithfulness. Because it's only on the anvil of hard times and pressure-filled nights that we really grow and mature and overcome the immaturities that we all have and really get into a real depth of being a child of God and being like Jesus who is able to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Who's able to say, Lord, I'd rather not drink of the cup, but if it's Your will, then I'll drink it. And I'll sing a hymn as I do. Faithfulness, talent won't develop, character won't mature, and substance will never increase without faithfulness. Dreams will never become realities without faithfulness. Because it's in my faithfulness that God takes the little I have here and causes it to grow greater and stronger. Dr. Wiersbe writes about Joseph. Had he stayed at home with his father, Had he stayed at home with his father just pampering him, he might not have developed the kind of character and the kind of strength that comes from hard work, enduring hardship, obeying orders, and trusting God. But this is God's method of building and maturing and preparing His servants. God prepares His servants. God does it like this. Number one, God progressively increases responsibility in our life. And then secondly, God progressively increases the difficulty of those responsibilities. Never ever forget that life is a schoolhouse. And God is always testing us. And God is always training us. Stay teachable. You don't got to go to seminary. Just live life and God will do a wonder in your life if you let Him. Again, I got to decrease that He might increase. And that never ends. As we walk with God. Notice that the first thing we see in the life of Joseph as we watch him being prepared for a ministry is that God progressively increases his responsibility. Don't take lightly what's in your hand. Don't take lightly the present opportunity you have to serve, to give, to grow. Your faithfulness to that thing that's in your hand is the key to your future. Because what you do with it will determine how God responds to you. We'll see that in just a little bit. Now, Joseph is going to wind up in charge of all of Egypt. But it takes quite a process of preparation, of discipline, of growing, and of pruning. Every step of the way, responsibility increases. It stretched him. It wasn't always exciting. It wasn't always comfortable. 
It was demanded of him. It wasn't easy, but it was productive. It was necessary. He couldn't get away from it. It's like the farmer that said the hardest thing about milking cows is that they never stay milked. That's how grown with God is. We never, I got, the, I got, I got the ordination. I'm ordained. It's all over. No, no, man. It's just beginning, brother. Then you really start growing. Then guess how? Get out there and lead some people. Some, some sheep bite. Hey, you really, you forget that. You wish you were writing a thesis, man. You wish you were writing a thesis. You get stuck with some of them. Amen. Say, Lord, have mercy. But, 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 Lord, what about the dream? What about the dream? You, you gave me a big dream. You know, when they laid hands on me, they probably, you, but what about the dream? God says, don't worry about the dream. Just be faithful in the present now and give me your best. Because how you respond to the now is how I'll respond to your later. The issue is not my position, but my faithfulness where I'm at. In my faithfulness, I'm proving myself. Faithful, I qualify myself for promotion. My faithfulness qualifies me for promotion. I qualify myself. The way I demonstrate faithfulness is to be obedient and dependable wherever God puts me and whatever God takes me through. Very simple, Matthew 25, 20 through 23. Matthew 25, 20 through 23. And this is a simple principle, but it's just the way the kingdom works. The way the kingdom works. The man had received five talents. Master, you gave me five. See, I've gained five more. I took what you gave me and I worked it. I took the opportunity, whatever it was, and I worked it. And because he worked what he had, he didn't talk about it. He didn't ignore it. He said, well, when he gives me some more, maybe I'll get with it. But when it's more convenient, maybe I'll do some. No, no. He took what he had and he worked it. If you're not working your present opportunity, don't expect God to give you something else. You can't break the seed. You can't break it. You can't break it. Amen. I'm not going to sow any seed this year, but man, when harvest time comes, I'm expecting a bumper crop. Hang on, hang on. It don't work that way. The seed I'm going to sow to get a harvest is being faithful to what God's put in my hand right now. And the master replied, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. He didn't say, oh, you should have got more. He said, you were faithful with what you have. That, that's the key. Now, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. He says, your key to growth was now I'm just going to bless you because I feel sorry for you. Your key to growth is you took what I gave you and you worked it. If you don't work it, we can go on later in this story, those that didn't work it lost what they had. So you can start out with a ton of potential and a ton of opportunity. But if we keep saying, no, I'm too busy, I'm not into it, God says, alright, you know what? I'm going to find someone that's going to work with me. Go to 22. The man came with two talents. See, it's not so much who's got the most talents. Who's got the... No, no. It's being faithful with what's in your hand and the opportunity you have and what you're going through right now. Master, you entrust me with two talents. I've gained two more. I took the opportunity. It might not have been as big as his opportunity. It might not have been as exciting as her opportunity. But I took what you gave me and I worked it to the best of my ability. And God's response to that, well done, good and faithful. Good and faithful. See, God's looking for faithful. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Wow. 
Joseph was developed through responsibility and difficulty. And that's how God develops us. He asks us, be faithful where you're at. Be faithful going through what you're called to go through. Be faithful serving in the place you have opportunity to serve. And if you'll be faithful, don't compare it with others. God says, well, I don't compare it with others. I'm just asking you, take what you have and give me your best. And as you do that, that'll promote you. That'll give you the increase. That'll take you down the road towards that ultimate destiny. Second part of Joseph's development was the increase of difficulty. Okay, we've got more responsibility, but along with that responsibility, God says, we're going to put some more weight on this bar. Amen? It's all right. I'm glad, but you've been bench pressing 25 pounds now for 20 years. It's about time to put a little weight on that thing. Amen? I mean, we got, we got a, isn't that true? See what I'm getting at? And then God, God will do that. Um, the increase of difficulty, where more is demanded of us. Now God says, I'm going to demand a little more of you. And God starts requiring more of us when He wants us to really grow. But the good thing is, when demand increases, faith grows. That muscle's not going to grow unless there's more on it. And so if you're always avoiding the challenges, all you're doing is plateauing your life. If you're always avoiding something because it's going to demand more of me, then you've just put a ceiling over how God can promote. This is what we learn. This is what we learn here. You can't have that. Um, if you want to grow and be fu- um, fulfilled in what God has called you, you can't be like that um, lion tamer. He put an ad in the paper. Advertisement. Lion tamer. Looking for a tamer lion. Amen. You can't. You can't. <laughs> some people, I want, some people I, I want something, but don't make it too hard. I want something, but don't make it too demanding. Hang on. Hang on. You know what I mean? You, you can't jump from first grade to tenth grade, right? You've got to go... But I got used to that. Do I got it right with ink? I mean, I know that I can't erase it. I want to stay back in pencil land. No, you got to go to ink. A computer, what's that? No, no, can't we? You know, okay, amen. God put Joseph through a series of increasingly difficult circumstances in order to help him succeed in the most difficult of circumstances. Have you ever been forced to go through something? You probably didn't want to go through it, but you couldn't get out of it. And you look back and say, man, you know what? That really made me better. That really made me stronger. When I came through with it, I had a greater faith now to, to address other things. I'm glad God, you know, you see what I mean? And that's how God, you see the difficulty of it. Prison really became like a graduate school for Joseph. He, he was there a number of years and he had really had to learn how to wait on God, how to work. He's learning more about administration more about leadership, more about all the things that he was going to need at the next step. He learned how to interpret. That's where he learned to interpret dreams. Sometimes in that new place, sometimes we're praying, God, I want to move into a new place of the gifts. I want to move a new place of the anointing. Well, God says, well, if you want that, I've got to take you somewhere else, but I don't want everything else that goes with it. No, 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 no. In prisons where he learns to interpret dreams, that's going to be one of the big natural keys to it all. He learns to trust God. In prison, he's forgotten again. And we have to learn how to be forgotten. We have to learn how to receive from negative things. Because the higher they get up, the more you get shot at. And so along the way, God says, I've got to teach you to have a little tough skin. Because if you're thin-skinned, you can't go too far in the things of God. They crucified our Savior. They made lies about every part of His life. But He couldn't let that keep Him from His vision. And keep him from 
Hallelujah. Now, Joseph, the Lord makes a difference. I'm, I'm going to close this up, but I want you to hear this last point because it's an important one. And I, want you to, I want you to get it. The Lord makes a difference. Number one, the importance and the benefit of having a God consciousness. Remembering that truth and responding accordingly. I believe, therefore I behave. Amen? Not moved by the feeling, not moved by the natural, but moved by what I know from the Scripture. Amen? Secondly, we learn from Joseph how God develops us and prepares us. He's going to increase. God requires more of us to grow. That's, we see that in the natural though, don't we? If you're going to grow, you've got to get more on the bar, not less. So God increases both responsibility and difficulty. But every time God brings you to a new place, He gives you more grace. So don't be, don't be scared. You know, I don't want to go. I don't think if it's God, His grace will be sufficient and you'll grow because of it. But number five, this last one here in this, in this, this message. Joseph, righteousness, not immediately rewarded. Well, you see that in Joseph's life pretty much. You know, the next life is where we're going to get the, the true reward is coming. Amen? And we live in this instant age. Instant coffee. drive through, Yelling at the microwave. It's like popcorn's not popping fast enough. You know? I mean, we, we're, 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 I mean isn't that true? I mean, what kind of, what kind of drive through is this? You know, they still got three lanes. Still can't get you through. Amen? Come on now. Hey, but we, we've been geared to that. We've been raised in an instant society. Right? A microwave mentality. I, I don't want to... You know what I mean? One lady said, Honey, um, God, God's not into microwaving. He's into marinating. Amen? It, it takes time. Amen? Brother Angel spent about four or five hours there. He was smoking something yesterday. It was real good. Some kind of part of a, a pig, right? Well, a pig was good. Amen? And it, it was wonderful. But, but you can't just throw it on the skillet 30 seconds later out of the microwave. Here it is. Enjoy. And God says, When it comes for me to develop some saints, I can't just put them in a spiritual microwave. I've got to take them through a process. I've got to take them through some enduring. But I'm going to make something out of them. Because that's my, how I got it. So righteousness, not immediately rewarded. Men's, men persevere because they're determined. Not because they're destined. That destiny is often a cheap word. It's almost a word for laziness. Don't worry about destiny. Worry about determination and working the plan. And destiny will take care of itself. You see, men that persevere, women that persevere, they do so because they're determined not to quit. And they're determined to keep their faith in Christ regardless, not because they just think something magically is going to work out. You and I that love the Lord this morning, we have to make up our minds. There's no turning back from this walk of faith. We're going to love Jesus in the good times and in the bad. If we've got to praise Him through the pain and praise Him through the tears, we'll do so. But our faith and our loyalty to the Lord Jesus is not for sale. It'll never be for sale. And if we go through times when men treat us bad, and we go through times when it seems like in the natural God's Word really isn't panning out, we're not going to be moved by that. Instead, we'll be moved by what we know and we're confident of. Our God is worthy and our God is faithful. Joseph did right and got thrown into a pit. Joseph did right again and got thrown into prison. But God was still working in both Joseph and his circumstances. And actually, a big part, and this is sometimes the part we miss, this is not easy, and it's nothing we like, but the fact is, actually a big part of his development came from his ability to endure the process and refrain 
from the bitterness and the complaining and the quitting. So I encourage someone this morning, don't give up. And don't surrender your joy. Don't surrender your song. Don't surrender your sweetness along the way. In a world of instant gratification, Joseph gives all of us an example of doing right and waiting for God to bring the reward at its proper time. How we love to sing, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. we got to remember that thought, amen? When the dark is night and the road is tough. Let me close with these two scriptures. Joseph, righteousness, not immediately rewarded. We cannot allow our world to suck us into that instant gratification. Delayed gratification is the kingdom principle. Amen? People, people leave relationships because they didn't want to endure it. People leave ministries. They didn't want to endure it. You go through all that. Joseph, so many times along those many years, could have just imploded, exploded. See, I've had enough of this God. I don't want your dream. I don't want your calling. I don't want your... This is, but he never did that. And finally, and it took some finally, he was vindicated. And sometimes we won't get totally vindicated of everything until we see the Lord. Get these verses with me. Go ahead. Um, yeah, These are important verses for us to remember. Just take them with you as we close. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be rich. Hold it there. It will be richly rewarded. God says, listen, don't lose your confidence. There are things in this life that can tempt you to lose your confidence in God. Amen? Come on. Amen? And we've all been there. We've all been there. Isn't that true? So, so the author of Hebrews recognized God's real. And God's saying, listen, I know you're going to go through some things that if you're not firmly holding on to me, you can lose your confidence. But God says, don't do that. It will be. It will be. Might not be tomorrow. But it God says, I will not forget you. I will not forget the promise. I will not forget what I've seen, your faithfulness. It will be richly rewarded. So what do I got to do right now, Lord? What do I got to do right now? Well, I need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. Think about it. There's a time period between doing the will of God and receiving the reward of doing the will of God. But I can disqualify myself from the reward if I don't wait properly in between. He did right. He said, no to sin. I won't go to bed with you. My God doesn't from here and no one knows me, but I still can't do it because God sees and I'm not going to do that. And he did the right thing. He did the noble thing. He did the courage, character courageous thing. He got thrown in prison. He got lied about. It was quite a while before he received the blessing for being righteous and honest and pure. So God says to us this morning, remember, righteousness, we learn from Joseph, is not always immediately rewarded. Some of you folks are going through things because of your faith in Christ and you will not get the reward till you see Him face to face. But I'll tell you one thing, it'll be worth it on that day. It'll be worth it on that day. Don't, 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 don't sell out to the temporal. It'll be worth it. So we need to persevere so that after we've done the will of God, we've done the right thing. Because then how the devil works, you do the right thing and you think now things are automatically going to unfold and, and hell comes. See? Wasting your time. Should, should, should have told them off. What good was it? Take the high road. Now they're just lying about Should have just see that? See that? You know how the devil works? Amen? Am I the only one he talks to? Did he talk to anybody else? Amen? 
You should have just got it off your chest. should have just, why well, I keep your integrity? Just, just give them a piece of, I don't got many pieces to give out. Amen. Give them a piece of your mind. I don't got that many pieces. <laughs> got to keep what I got, man. Got to keep what I got. We need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive, keep persevering. God will reward you when the time is right. And God will never, ever forget your deeds of faith and righteousness. Many of you have gone through things that others would have, but you stayed faithful, you stayed sweet. God says, don't worry about it. I didn't forget any of it. And your reward, it is coming. All right, go to that next verse now. So I got to persevere. I got to persevere. Amen? I got to persevere. So don't let the enemy, this instant gratification. I want justice. You're not, probably not going to get it on this side. Amen? That's not how it works. But here, what do I got to do now? When I'm going through a Joseph-like trial, I'm doing my best to, to live right. What's the Bible tell me to do? First Peter. So then, those who suffer according to God's will. You mean I can be in God's will and still suffer? So, for those of you that have ever suffered for doing God's will, he gives two things that we should do. Number one, commit yourself to your faithful Creator. You know what he's saying? Make a fresh altar. Make a fresh altar. Before you go in there and, and deck the boss, because, you know what I mean? He, 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 no, no, make a fresh altar to the Lord. And say, Lord, I, I, I'm going to handle this your way. I'm going to commit this to you. No, you never got tempted? No, okay, I'm not saying. Um, commit themselves and know what? Continue to do good. If you haven't made a fresh altar of devotion to the Lord in a while, I encourage you to do so. And I encourage you to learn this New Testament principle, how it flows so wonderfully with Joseph, that when you do go through things, before you lose your joy, before you lose your testimony at the job, get with Jesus and make a fresh altar and commit yourself to your faithful Creator who is going to defend you. He is going to vindicate you when He says it's time. And until then, just continue to do good. Just make up your mind. You can be ugly to me, but I get a choice of how I respond to you. You you can be nasty to me, but I have the last say of how I respond. Can you say amen? We're learning from the like of Joseph. Would you stand, please? Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord makes a difference, folks. The Lord makes a difference. And when we recognize the Lord's going to have the last say and the Lord's with us, it makes a difference. When, like Joseph, we go through the trying and testing seasons of life, God will make a difference. God will make a difference. I'm going to pray the final prayer and we'll open this altar. Let me just very quickly, I wrote this down. Somebody, um, things will never be right until they're right between you and the Lord. So we open this altar. Number one, if your heart's not right with God, don't leave before you make things right with God. Things will never be right. Things will never be right until they're right between you and the Lord. Jesus loves you. Jesus' arms are open wide to you, but you've got to respond and you've got to submit for He is Lord. But secondly, and I know we prayed earlier today, but if you'd just like to come and pray, please do so. Make an altar. 
praise God and recognize His presence in your life and respond to that. And if you want prayer, then come and we'll pray again. But hallelujah. Let's bow our hearts. Father, I thank You for Joseph's life. And I thank You for the lessons that we glean from this hero of faith. Father God, help us to apply these principles to our walk of faith. Lord, we read them and we study them and sometimes we forget this was a real person and these were real circumstances. And Lord, You put them in the Bible so that we could learn principles of how to live in this messed up world. How to live the way You want us to live. How to live in a way where You can bless us regardless of where life takes us. Lord, I thank You that You're always with us. I pray right now, Lord, maybe someone's here today and they're battling and they're just dealing with that, feeling alone and feeling like, where are You, God? Father, before they leave, speak to their heart. Remind them. Comfort them. Remind them of Your nearness and Your care. Father, help us to recognize and live properly. Bless this altar time. Fill afresh. Touch anew. And oh God, for those in the midst of trying times, give them grace to endure and stay strong as they look to You and call on You. Give them a fresh deposit of endurance. Father, we love You. Bless this altar. Bless Your dear ones. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, God bless you. If you need prayer, you want to pray, we can respond. Let's bless the Lord.